we had to hit the ground running with something and something was better than nothing, even though the something was a mess. But now season two, oh man, oh man, is change coming. Yeah. We should probably even talk about like how we're actually going to structure the customer service moving forward, like how we're going and like, really not even customer service, but, but even, even, uh, how we're almost like designing the entire like corporate structure exactly around like, this new philosophy. Yeah, where where yeah. we're we're hand we're not we're no longer blending positions. People are going to have more responsibility, and 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 this person's directly responsible for this task. Yeah. This this responsibility yeah. because it muddies the water too much, and then people start blaming other people. And you know if something doesn't get done, but both of those people were responsible for potentially the same thing. It, it it's you know it, it's it's not it muddies the water mm -hmm. it's too much so yeah, yeah there's there's a lot of um like when i was in school studying about the theory of this which is interesting kind of like seeing it all play out in practice mm -hmm. um there's a huge push in corporations especially like small to medium-sized corporations nowadays of what's called like a horizontal corporate structure or like flat corporate structure meaning that you have the owner or ceo and then just everyone's at the same level mm -hmm. you don't have like a tiered system mm -hmm. and they're like, oh, this is all the rage. There's a lot of um, reasons why this is beneficial. And I can see when it, when you have maybe like 10, 20 employees, that kind of makes sense. Everyone has shared responsibilities. You know kind of what everyone is doing because mm -hmm. you have your kind of hand in like in everyone's uh, like roles and responsibilities. But as you're getting larger and larger, like across all companies, I think we have whatever, maybe close to like around in and around 100 people right now you can't micromanage what everyone is doing mm. right so i think that one with that you have to have some sort of tiered system where yeah. you have people that you know are going to be able to like implement the things that you yeah. say that it's not like you're making sure that they're actually being followed up on like you'll have an idea you're like okay here's my idea this is what i want done and then it just gets done you don't have yeah. to like follow up or it, yeah. if you do that it means that there's a problem going on exactly right like yeah. pretty much for the most part everyone across all departments is self-sufficient to be able to just solve that problem yeah. whatever it is or they solve the problem before it even gets to you yeah which is the ideal situation exactly right they know yeah. exactly how it should be solved and they're already proactive yeah um and so one of the things I find is like, so we're, we're cleaning up the overall like flow of command um, with put, putting the right people in place, but also having that each role is ultimately responsible for like a sub, uh, like a sub selection of responsibilities rather than having like this pool of responsibilities that several people share. Mm -hmm. Cause then what happens is that either one, when you're like, oh, I need this thing done, you'll send it out to five people and no one really knows like what should be happening, who should be doing what. Yeah. But then also, two, if it doesn't get done, you're like, okay, well, I don't know if there's anyone, yeah. if there's anyone to blame. And we've yeah. actually had to come up where we, we're like, well, we can't really discipline any anyone because no one has the ultimate responsibility to, yeah. really responsibility to take this on. Yeah. Um, so what we're trying to do here is essentially that each person has an exact list of being like, hey, this is exactly what you're responsible for. Anything beyond that would be you kind of just helping out. But these are the things that we're coming to you that we're expecting you to do. Yeah. Um, one, it helps when you're like, okay, I need to get this like specific thing done. You know exactly who to go to or yeah. you don't know. I'll know who to yeah. go to exactly. And then two, it helps with like, okay, if this thing's going wrong, we know exactly why it's going wrong and yeah. we can measure that person's performance in that role. Yeah. And we, yeah. we were running with a flat structure because we were growing and yeah. it was early on and I did have to require people to do a lot of different roles. Yeah. They had to wear a lot of many, a lot of hats. Yeah. But now, now it's, now we're, we're too big where, yeah. and it's not that they still don't wear like necessarily a lot of hats. Like we have some roles still that there's one person doing it where in a couple of years, it's not from shared. Now, 
Right. Where like, let's take, for example, this new position of the inventory manager mm. in five years from now, that might be a team of 10 people yeah. doing that one role. Yeah. But there's more, even more specific, whoops, even more specific, um, like subdividing of responsibilities yeah. or let's take someone like Dave in marketing, like all the things that he oversees in five years from now, we might have 20 people in, yeah. mar- in marketing that yeah. like all handle. We only have one person doing TikTok full time, <laughs> yeah. one person doing yeah. like Instagram ads only for yeah. one subsidiary, yeah. right? Like as you get bigger and bigger, there's gonna be more and more tasks within that of course. Yeah. specific thing. Yeah. Yeah. But those are probably, you know, they're probably going to be a manager there and exactly. Obviously, so yeah. Yeah. So if somebody, somebody in that role isn't performing, then the manager will know and yeah. it falls on the manager's shoulders. Yeah. And that's the other yeah. thing too, is that like, as you get larger as, as well, like you have to set up some sort of way of measuring people's performances. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that like if, if any employees are listening, I think that having some sort of way of measuring your own performance that then you can like bring to your supervisor, manager or owner or whatever being like, Hey, here's the exact things that I've done that I've overseen. Cause like the, that data as let's say, for example, like, uh, where we, like we are in a company, the company is like, we need that information to be able to help guide our decision-making mm-hmm. right without mm-hmm. that information. It's very hard to like, okay, if I'm trying to improve our customer service and the number of tickets that we have going out, I, I, without knowing what's the average rate that you should be able to like solve all these tickets, how many should you be getting through an hour a day? Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not getting to that level of performance, why is that mm-hmm. happening? Are there other issues that are being overlooked that I don't know of, of mm-hmm. the reason why that's happening or as a factor of just like sheer laziness? Like what, what is it that's yeah. going on? Right. Um, and then you can actually quantify like, Okay. We want, we need to get, hundred units out per day. Yeah. hundred tickets out per day. What is the thing? What, how can we set up this position that they can actually get the, that, that, that number of tickets yeah. out? Yeah. So yeah. that's, that's kind of the, the transitions that we're going through kind of even across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, but even like, so even in the golf course, this upcoming season, like we'll probably do a couple of these things as well. Cleaning yeah. up like who's responsible for what. And also who like, has absolutely. authority, who has authority over what that's a big thing too, is that as you see certain people kind of like grow and flourish in their positions, letting them know, like, listen, like you have authority over this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. So you already have wanted to fix these things, but you previously haven't had the authority. You now have it. Like you can implement these things based on, um, mm-hmm. the this criteria. Yeah. Oh, the golf course needs it bad. Yeah. Yeah. Last year was just a, just a bunch of fuckery. Yeah. Not knowing what to do. And not, I wouldn't say not knowing what to do, but almost kind of accepting how things ran from previous ownership, observing, mm-hmm. and then realizing, wow, was that fucked up? Yeah. Now we're bringing in our own culture and our own structures and stuff like that. But we had to hit the ground running with something, and something was better than nothing. Yeah. Even though the something was a mess. But now, like year season two, oh man. Mm-hmm. Oh man, is change coming? Yeah. And I think, I think another thing that I always really try um, thinking deeply on is what is the trickling effects of any like large decision yeah. in a business, right? Mm-hmm. And, then I, and I'm noticing it more and more now the larger that we get that, okay, we want to do this one seemingly simple change. <laughs> yeah. But I'm like, okay, what are all the things? Yeah. This could, there's so many moving parts and integrated yeah. parts and like this depends on this. Yeah. And I've already noticed this so many times. 
Um, and so that's another thing too, is that like trying to get better and better at being like, okay, we want to implement this change at the golf course. What is all now the golf course doesn't rely as much on technology as Canadian protein, obviously, mm-hmm. but like, Hey, we want to implement this change. What is all the trickling effects that could happen yeah. from something like this, even like with management changes yeah. and like human resource issues. Yeah. The one thing that we have to do though, as we grow, we have to figure out how to still stay nimble and be able to pivot quickly mm-hmm. because I, I am seeing how. Although when I would pull the trigger on something really quick, how it would maybe not be ready to do it, we would get it, but it wouldn't be as tight and we'd fuck up and this and that, but we get it out. Mm-hmm. However, I get, I, I do, I never want to get to the point where now, again, this is, you know, obviously a stretch, but Hey, who knows? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, you take a company like Rexall, Costco, you know, the, the companies that we deal with like to scale. Yeah. Seeing how they operate and how long it takes for them to make decisions is like is just not acceptable mm-hmm. in, in my mind. I'm not saying that their model isn't acceptable. I'm saying for us, it's unacceptable because I do feel one of the reasons why we are successful is because we're able to pivot quickly. Mm-hmm. We can never lose that competitive advantage. Now, interestingly, that is it. That that's almost a catch twenty two. I know with having the lar- larger the company still being able to pivot quickly. One of the, uh, I think this is also where it goes down to like clearly defining roles and responsibilities. Not over hiring mm-hmm. is, is another huge one. Yeah. Not having like bloated uh, like staff where mm-hmm. you don't really even know what some people do or like what they're getting done. <laughs> yeah, it, like it's funny enough. I, I saw a Bloomberg post today about uh, why Apple's not firing so many people. Because they hired efficiently to begin with, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, and and that's actually that's a very interesting, um, con- like when you now I don't know what the hiring process is like at Apple, but I would imagine with you kind of saying that stat in comparison to places like Twitter mm-hmm. and Shopify and some places that have Facebook, had like Facebook yeah. massive layoffs. Microsoft. I'm I'm imagining that when you come into a position, they have already so clearly outlined exactly what you have to fucking do. Yeah. If you get it done, great. Here's future opportunities. Here's other positions. If you don't get it done, okay, you're done. Think about how valuable they are, right? They're yeah. also a valuable company based off, you know, their performance and their mm-hmm. probably their profit, obviously. And if you think of like their philosophy with their technology, which is like simple, like not bloated, there's yeah. nothing that's unnecessary on, yeah. on an iPhone. Yeah. Well, nowadays there actually kind of is. <laughs> but like their their principles and like, yeah. and as if you apply that to your overall corporate structure and your employees, yeah. like I would imagine you have the same sort of thing. For sure. Right. You'd have to. But that's why it's interesting listening to... I'm kind of following Elon Musk's uh, takeover of Twitter a little bit and how he... Oh, he's doing a great job. Yeah. Really, like it's, it's hilarious it's how really people think he's like just destroying Twitter, but it's really odd. It's the people that don't... It's like it's like the people that think he's... Dest- at least from my perspective, you know, I, I, I recently started becoming active on Twitter. seems like the people that don't like what he's doing are the people that don't... Are, are that they want suppression on there mm-hmm. and he's obviously going the other way so it's really it's a really it's a really interesting dynamic mm-hmm. on there right now well there was a um there's a podcast with him and i forget I, th- I think it's the guy that started either square or quest or one of those brands anyways ended up selling it and now he only has pretty much a youtube channel and like a podcast <laughs> you, for sure, you, you for sure have seen this guy Interesting. anyways he was interviewing um elon musk and he was asking and then elon musk was saying he's like well quest like the protein bars yeah oh yeah. the protein bar guy 
It might be that guy. Oh, okay. Tom Bilio or whatever yeah, his yeah, name yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it was him that was asking him okay. this. Okay. Yeah. I forget where I saw this. I saw it like last week. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Um, so the I meant like Quest Trade at, at first. Oh yeah, no, like Quest, like the protein. The company. protein. Yeah, yeah, the protein yeah. bars. Yeah. Uh, sold for nine hundred eighty million dollars. I think it was. Did it actually? Yeah. Wow. Who bought yeah. that? Um, some large like multinational nutrition like nutritional company. Really. Uh, but like Glambia or something something like that yeah i'm not wow. sure if it was, was glambia but he was talking about and so he was talking so this is a tangent but he was talking about in a podcast with someone else uh about what it's like just selling your company for that amount of money and that you because the person's like well do you just like receive a check he, he was a like 100 owner right it was he really yeah, yeah. Wow. so he's like yeah like i just had like 980 million dollars like deposited into my checking account like it's just there <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy i know that's yeah. wild man and then he's like well now what do i what do i, what do I want to do with my life i have more money than like for enough for several lifetimes wow right so like what do i want to do so he's like i want to actually like make an impact with like education and like opening people's minds and like uh teaching people about business and mindset and whatever that's what made him start impact theory okay. which is that podcast and okay. they have like a whole kind of like host of things but it's pretty i don't think it's a non-profit but it's not its goal is not to be like a wildly profitable company okay its goal is only to bring on like really interesting people from all interesting. walks of life and yeah, have, yeah. Uh, yeah so i really listen to that guy wow interesting because he has actually done it that's the thing too is that a lot of these uh, like guys out there like they haven't actually done anything yeah anything right whereas he's interviewing somebody but he's like he actually sold his company for near a billion dollars yeah right? like, it started and you, from and, scratch and, and, and here's the here's the best part about it too Dave and I were talking about this. Somebody reached out to me and was like, "Hey, you know, I want I want you to be on my podcast, right?" And this guy had like has like nine million followers on on Instagram. So I'm like, oh, "Okay, this is fake." Then Dave looked into him. He's like, "No, he's not fake." Mm. But he's like claiming he owns these like businesses and he's like you know filthy rich and this and that. He's got this pocket, but he can't find it. But like, so like, I don't fucking get, it. I, I don't, yeah. I don't understand why people follow people that like within like two seconds, you, you can't find what they're doing. And another thing that I find very interesting is you, why, why wouldn't you leverage your following and put like your, your I business in your, in your profile? Yeah. Like I, I, for me, the reason, the only, one of the only reasons why you wouldn't do that, cause you don't actually want people to go down that rabbit hole and find out that you're fucking fake. Yeah. That's I I don't know another reason why you wouldn't do it. Why yeah. wouldn't you do it? Some people might argue but like being like, "Oh, like maybe their business is just hard to conceptualize for some people or maybe some people just don't get it. Maybe they run a marketing agency or but something what, that." But so what? So, so but my point so is though, you're telling me all 9 million people won't be able to conceptualize that? Right. It so makes no sense. My point is is that someone like Alex Ramosi who runs a company that most people don't even know what type of company he runs. Yeah. Right, having essentially really, yeah, having like, this like group of companies that buys businesses or invests in them. Or, yeah, he's pretty much like kind of like a, a he's private a, he's equity. He's a VC guy. He's a VC. Yeah, he's right? a VC. And a lot of people, even you and I, just struggled explaining that. Yeah. Right. But well, we at least kind of like understand. A lot of people don't even know what that is. Yeah. Right. But he still markets it. It's front, still, left, it's still easy like, to find. Exactly. Although I feel he does a fairly poor job at. If you if you hit that link, yeah. go to his whatever. Like oh, his which, landing page is horrible. It's just I I don't know if that's on purpose or yeah. Alex, if you're listening, like please hit us up for our landing page. <laughs> like it needs some help. Yeah, like we're we're yeah. It's just uh, yeah, it's bad. Yeah. 
Yeah. Anyways, I, um, I don't know where that was going. Um, you, you should, it, it should. It shouldn't take longer than thirty seconds to find out what someone does, and then another thirty seconds to, uh, or or, or, thir- or yeah, or thirty seconds to uh, come across what this person does, and then another thirty seconds to find out what it is that they do. Yeah. It, it should be like sixty seconds total. Like, and then, 30 seconds to be able to get in, no then another two seconds to get in contact with them yeah being like, hey i'm interested yeah exactly yeah uh, so to bring this full circle what we were saying um like at the beginning of all this was elon musk and twitter yeah. so he was talking with that guy and he was saying well when you really think about it what does twitter do twitter does this this and this okay so for this how many people do you really need to run this like if you were to start twitter from scratch just like to build it to where it is right now yeah how many people would you, you would need well you probably really only need 200 people to do this and how many people would you need for this? Well, you'd probably only need like 100 people for this and 100 people for this. Interesting. So he listed it out. He's like, you'd really only need... And he was saying this to... Um, Tom, I think his name's Tom. Yeah. Um, who also grew up fucking billion dollar company. So he yeah. knows how many people it would take to build that sort of platform. And uh, so he's like, yeah, it's really only 400 people. And he's like, there was 5,000 people. <laughs> there's, there's, there's a... Like we, we broke it down to what Twitter does at its core... He, there, you only need 400 people to run Twitter. Did, did he actually say that? Like 400 people? 400 people, yeah. <laughs> That's fucking crazy. So, so he's like, why are we operating with 5,000 people? Like, no wonder, like, Twitter was struggling. Wow. Right? And so I think this kind of goes to show, but when you have tech companies that I think have proven the test of time, that they don't just overhire for the sake of mm-hmm. just overhiring and become very bloated... Like that, they probably now to kind of bring this all full circle is they probably have built out a structure where their employees know exactly what they have to get done. Mm-hmm. They they have specific performance metrics that they're abiding by. Mm-hmm. They if they they have maybe a scaled performance thing where based on their performance they'll have certain compensation. Mm-hmm. And if they're not hitting those targets, then they just move the fuck on, right? Yeah. Where they just like get rid of them immediately. Yeah. And then they're probably also structured it where not only one is Apple like a internet like a, probably one of the most well known companies in the entire world but two they probably have some of the best paying positions in the entire world so they attract top talent yeah right so you kind of link together being wildly efficient from a human resources standpoint and like kind of creating these jobs together with being like very competitive and very efficient and very efficient yeah with the best work in the world yeah the the most work in the world on a like per employee basis probably Mm -hmm. yeah so you don't have to hire bloated Mm -hmm. yeah it makes sense Mm mm-hmm 